This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. The first lesson comes from Genesis chapter 18. Then the Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fate fair as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him, Suppose forty are found there, he answered. For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive, we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, 
and you go to him at midnight and you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, don't bother me. The door's already been shut. My children or I are in bed. I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. <coughs> and for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, would give a snake instead? Or if your child asks for an egg, would give a scorpion? If you then, who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We are about a third of the way through what we call the Pentecost season in the church, the green season. In the first half of the church year, from the first Sunday of Advent up until Pentecost Sunday, the church studies events in the life of Christ. In the second half of the church year, from uh, the first Sunday after Pentecost, Holy Trinity Sunday, all the way to the end of the church year, the reign of Christ. In the second half of the church year, called the green season, thus our green paraments, etc., it's a time when we focus not so much on events in the life of Christ as his teachings and their implications for us as disciples as we grow. Thus we have the green season, the season of growth of the church. Today in our readings, the focus is on prayer. The first lesson, if, if you were to define prayer, somebody says, uh, well, prayer is conversation with God. Well, in our first reading today, and Jen, I'm glad you saw the humor in that, we had a rather humorous conversation between Abraham and God as Abraham continues to barter for the safety of Sodom and Gomorrah. But we see this conversation as, as Abraham pleads to God for his people. Our gospel reading this morning is the story of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. Jesus' disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And then we have what is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer for Christians. And that prayer is followed by three very short parables. We have the parable of the visitor at midnight. We have the parable of the one knocking on the door, searching. And then we have the parable of the father with his children. We will come back to these three parables momentarily. But before we discuss them, I want to ask you a question. If you could ask Jesus for anything, if you could ask Jesus for anything, what would be that one thing that would be at the top of your list that you want to ask Jesus for to do? The disciples, they have been traveling with Jesus now. We're in chapter uh, 11 of Luke's gospel. 
And they have left Galilee, they have left the Mount of the Transfiguration, and they're on their way to Jerusalem for the events that we celebrate during Holy Week. During this time of travel, the disciples have witnessed some pretty incredible teaching of Jesus. He teaches with authority such that they've never heard before. They have seen him calm a storm. They have actually seen him raise the son, dead son of a widow from Nain. They have seen him perform exorcisms. They have seen him heal numerous people. They have witnessed a lot. It's been amazing. I suppose they could have asked Jesus for any number of things. <clears throat> but of all things to ask Jesus for, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, for how many of us would that have been tops on our list for what we would ask Jesus to do? Lord, teach us to pray. I got to tell you, it wouldn't be tops on my list. You see, the disciples, just a, a few chapters before this, when Jesus is on top of the Mount of the Transfiguration, they're down at the foot of the mountain trying to cast the demon out of a boy. And they're unsuccessful. They can't do it. So I say to myself, Lord, why not teach us to cast out demons the way that you do? I'd like to be able to do that. Or Lord, we're fishermen. It gets pretty scary out there on the Sea of Galilee when a storm comes up. Why don't you teach us to calm a storm just like we saw you do? Or, Lord, we're fishermen. Teach us to fish the way we saw you do that miraculous catch with your nets. We want to do that too. Lord, teach us how to heal people. Teach us how to raise somebody from the dead like we saw you do. Teach us how to walk on water. Of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus to do, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. As if to say to us, prayer is immensely important in the life of disciples. Never underestimate its ability and power in our lives. The disciples often see Jesus going off by himself to pray to his heavenly Father. Luke, of all four Gospels, Luke is the one that continually shows Jesus going off, setting himself apart, and praying to God. And the disciples evidently see this incredible relationship between Jesus and his heavenly Father that's developed by this constant life of prayer. And they desire that for themselves. And so Jesus, we are told, responds to their request. He teaches them what to pray for. Thus we have the Lord's Prayer, that model prayer. But then he teaches them how to pray. Not just what to pray for, but how to pray. And that's what those three short parables are about following this story of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus tells his disciples that the most important quality in our prayer is persistence. All three of these short little parables are about being persistent in our relationship with God. I was telling the other two congregations that gathered for worship this morning, one of the things that I have experienced in 40 years of ministry is that it is easy, it's pretty common, to become discouraged, to become disillusioned at times in our walk as disciples with Jesus. 
I can't tell you the number of times in 40 years of ministry that I wanted to quit and give up. Ever since heading off to seminary that first year 40 years ago, when I thought I'd made the biggest mistake of my life, wanting to quit. There were times in my life when I wanted to seek a new call, when I no longer wanted to serve the congregation that I was serving. Heck, there are times that I just wanted to leave the ministry altogether. There was one time in my life I called up a friend and I said, can I apply for a job? I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I don't think I'm alone. I don't think my story is an isolated one. I have seen many a church member over the year who are seeking to be fellow disciples of Jesus who were ready to throw in the towel in discouragement, disappointment, and disillusionment. I have seen people burn out, as the saying goes. The results just don't seem to be what is desired. The need presented to Jesus' disciples and followers of Jesus is so great, and the resources we have to respond seemingly so meager. I see people all the time who do everything they can to serve their Lord by serving their neighbor. And yet, there seem to be so many more neighbors in need than there are those who help. I see people who give generously in their lives, even sacrificially. But then I have other church members come up and say, Pastor, why does the church always seem to have its hand out? Why is the church always asking more? How many times have I seen church leadership over the years, pastors and church councils, who ask for volunteers to head up a ministry, but the slot remains empty. The ministry goes unfulfilled for lack of a leader. And then on the other hand, just as many times I've seen somebody step forward to volunteer eagerly to lead a ministry, only to be overwhelmed by the need and underwhelmed by the resources. Yeah, pastor, I'll lead Sunday school. And then there's nobody willing to teach. How many times have you and I prayed to God for help in our lives? We want results, yet our prayer seemingly goes unanswered. We don't get the results that we're hoping for, praying for. And so we cease praying. We stop we stop asking. We become frustrated. We become angry with God. We become disillusioned. And then our thinking is, or at least my thinking, I won't push this on you, but maybe you can relate. God, this is your work that we're about. <laughs> we are your disciples. We're on your team. These are your children we are trying to help. This is your creation we are trying to preserve. Where are you? I don't see you. Don't you care? And if so, where's the help? <laughs> Send in the cavalry. I'm ready. Father, I can't do this alone. I can't do it anymore. I quit. Somebody else can do it. Some of you know I am sure what I am talking about because I sense that some of you probably have been there at some point in your lives. And if you haven't been as I told earlier worshipers this morning, maybe you could shoulder a bit more of the burden 
so that others don't feel so burdened. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, giving us the model prayer. But more importantly, he teaches us how to pray persistently, not just what to pray for, but how to do it. Jesus tells us, pray for God's kingdom to come. And we do that. Week by week by week we do that. Every time we gather for worship, we pray for God's kingdom to come. And yet, the devil more and more and more seems to be winning. How many times do we watch the news anymore just to see increasing violence? Not just in this country, but all over the world. Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread. And we do that consistently. But then we're we are seduced with the desire for more than daily bread, aren't we? When we pray to God for daily bread, we really mean more than just what we need for today. <laughs> Greed plagues our society. The gap between the haves and the have-nots, it's not shrinking, it's growing. We pray to God for forgiveness as Jesus instructs us to, and yet... We know that we have not forgiven another person. And to be honest with ourselves, we know we don't have any plan in the immediate future to enact that forgiveness either, because we're not ready to forgive. We pray for deliverance from our trials, and yet we remain sorely tried. You see, the model prayer by itself isn't enough. Now that may sound strange coming from a pastor to say, you, say to you, the Lord's Prayer by itself is not enough. We are encouraged to keep praying it over and over and over and over and over again. Jesus tells his disciples, do not give up. Keep praying. It may seem like you're not getting the results that you want, but you're not responsible for the results. You're not responsible for the outcome. You are responsible for doing what you can, where you can, and while you can. God's responsible for the harvest, not us. The results are in God's hands. You and I may not be able to solve the problem of world hunger. We may not even be able to alleviate hunger here in our own community. But that does not keep us from praying for the hungry, does it? We continue to pray for the hungry. And then we roll up our sleeves and we do what we can. We support the community dinners at First English. We support Lutheran World Hunger Appeal. We share in the Ministry of Faith Mission and the Community Kitchen. We, pride, we pro provide for food and fellowship at Jacob's Porch. And we do meals for neighborhood children with our buddy bag program. And my friends, that makes a difference. It makes a huge difference to those that we serve. We may not be able to alleviate homelessness. But that doesn't stop us from praying for the homeless, does it? And then rolling up our sleeves and getting involved with Habitat for Humanity. Doing what we can, while we can, where we can. We not be able to heal people. But that doesn't stop us from having our four Christ golf outing and trying to raise money for that pharmacy to dispense to people who can't afford drugs. 
We may not be able to bring everybody into our relationship with Jesus, but we continue to invite, we continue to welcome, and we continue to model what a relationship with Christ can do in a person's life. We example compassion. We example Christ's presence through our Stevens Ministry program. We send our one-body youth out on their GROW mission trip. And my friends, all of that makes a difference to those we serve. We pray for God's reign. We pray for God's kingdom. We pray daily for sustenance. We pray for forgiveness. And we pray for deliverance, for deliverance from our trials. And we keep praying for it, never stopping. And God hears and God answers our prayers. Jesus says, if we as sinful earthly parents know how to give good things to our children, how much more so our Heavenly Father who brought us into this world knows how to give good gifts to us. God may not grant what we want, but God gives us what we need. Our role as disciples is to continue to pray persistently. And as we pray, we are to continue to do what we can, where we can, while we can. And we trust God for the results. But make no mistake, my friends, our prayers as disciples are incredibly important. So continue to pray. Be persistent. Don't stop. Amen.